0: What's going on, Bearcats fans? I am all Bearcats reporter Russ Heltman filling in for Alex Frank on today's episode. We're going to get to what I saw at Saturday's first preseason scrimmage for the Bearcats in 2022. How do the QBs look in that very, very tight battle? How much ahead of the offense is the defense? We'll get to that and some turnovers as well. And then the final segment, we will close up shop with a look at NFL preseason week one, almost 10 Bearcats in action across the country for their respective NFL teams. We'll touch on some of their performances as well, right here on Locked On Bearcats. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Russ in for Alex Frank on today's episode of Locked On Bearcats. Thank you all so much for making us your first listen every single day. A little bit about myself, if you have not seen me or heard me on previous appearances on Locked On Bearcats. I cover the team for SI's Fan Nation on the All Bearcats site. And Alex, of course, a, uh, a colleague of mine, also writes some pieces for the site as well. We're ramping up the football coverage and basketball coverage getting set to start in a couple months as well. So go to allbearcats.com to get the latest. And You can follow me at RussHeltman11 on Twitter. Just give that a follow, and you can keep up with the latest news and notes around the Cincinnati Bearcats football and basketball programs. Let's dive into that football team, which is in the midst of a steamy, sweltering fall camp right now. They're practicing at higher ground for the most part throughout this 3 to 4 week stretch but we had the first preseason scrimmage go down at Nippert Stadium on Saturday afternoon kicked off right around noon or so I was there in attendance saw it all go down and was kind of uh shocked at how many straggling fans we had in attendance at Nippert Stadium obviously it was not broadcast to the public as an event to come attend didn't really matter. They were blasting that music all throughout Nippert. And of course, it being in the heart of UC's campus, you can hear it if you're a student or a faculty member or anybody attached to UC walking around. So there were some people that came in and got a nice taste of what Luke Fickle and the rest of that coaching staff is cooking up right now. And speaking of a taste, we got a full helping of QB reps from guys like Evan Prater, And Ben Bryant, it's still a nip-tuck affair between those two guys. In terms of what I saw on Saturday, I would say Bryant was a little bit better on the afternoon, a little bit more more polished for lack of a better term, was steadier, didn't quite have as many big time down the field throws as Evan Prater did. But one that stood out to me was a beautiful fade ball down the left sideline to Nick Marner, the six foot six talent who actually spoke to the media after practice and highlighted how he loves both of these quarterbacks. They both throw him a great ball. They both do a really great job of connecting with him and, and being there day in and day out to get that chemistry down with the guy that just transferred him from thousands of miles away over in Hawaii. So the fact that we saw that fade ball go to Nick Martiner, he easily high-pointed that puppy and got down and started pounding, the, uh, started pounding the sixth drum all those times for the first touchdown of the day for the Bearcats. And outside of that, Prater himself hit Jadon Thompson on a nice little misdirection route near the goal line on uh, on team drills and concerning... Uh, red zone opportunities. They were working on that towards the end of the day. But overall, I just I still can't get a strong feel for how this quarterback competition is going to shake out. It it seems like and, it's, and judging from all the media members I talked to concerning the team, covering the team, being there day in and day out. They feel, and I'm kind of leaning this way as well, that Ben Bryant will be the guy, the starter on September 3rd for their matchup against Arkansas. But Alex and I have had this conversation and have hammered this point home so many times. And he did on the previous episode of Locked on Bearcats, which you can catch uh, right here on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. It just behooves a football team. Oftentimes, so much more to let the young guy get the experience. And seeing as I can't tell a big difference between Ben Bryant and Evan Prater right now, I can't tell a big difference in their leadership skills. One little fun nugget I wanted to save for the Lockdown Bearcats audience right here that I saw happen during the the scrimmage was towards the end of practice, uh, final kind of three or four sessions of team drills. Nick Marner just stone cold dropped and Evan Prater drag route over the middle of the field. It was a great ball that Prater worked in there, went through his progressions. I think Mardner was the third progression, third option on the route tree, went through him well, like any professional quarterback would, dime ball to Mardner right over the middle, just drops right to the ground. And Mardner was clearly upset with himself, whole offense, whole defense, runs the respective sidelines. They kind of go huddle up and Mardner's off uh, off on his own to the side, on the sidelines doing pushups as a little punishment for the drop. And who's there? ready to give him a pat on the head, right when he gets up from those pushups, it was Evan Prater. So the leadership aspects, the leadership traits, the intangibles, all of that stuff are there for both of these quarterbacks. And I just think when it's all said and done, not that UC is going to regret not starting Evan Prater, but man, it's just, All of the the attributes are there. They're all sitting there for Evan Prater to be a big-time premier college football quarterback and maybe have a chance at doing something at the next level, although that's a long, long way away. But to me, it just behooves this team, especially when it's this close. If it's this close and you still 10, 12 days in the camp, Luke Fickle still not really able to give a definitive answer on who's leading this race. Then to me, you go with the guy with a longer runway in the program, a guy that can entrench himself even deeper for more years to come in this program. And that's Evan Prater. And that's no shade, no throwing stones at Ben Bryan's game. He's very capable. He's a great leader. He's done a great job of acclimating himself on this team. But to me, I, I so far would, would, if I were making the decisions, give the edge to Evan Prater. But we shall see how that plays out over the next couple of weeks. Another note for the people, Ben Bryant limited in practice in the week leading up to the scrimmage, so he did not get a ton of reps, and according to reports from multiple local media members, took very good advantage of those extra reps that were afforded by Ben Bryant not being on the practice field. And so now that you had kind of a better day from Bryant, steadier day in his full return to action on Saturday, this next week of practices and the Saturday scrimmage coming up is going to really, I think start to crystallize what this coaching staff thinks and what they're leaning in terms of who is going to win this quarterback battle between Evan Prater and Ben Bryant. Defensive coordinator, Mike Trussell said, Uh, about a week ago from this recording, if they took a poll in the coaching staff, they would probably have to go to a tiebreaker because it would be that split down the middle. And Fickle said, quote, we're going to continue to evaluate for us to continue to move forward. We're going to have to find out how that offense is going to go. Every performance factors into that. And that was uh, prompted from a question from our friend Justin Williams of The Athletic asking how much of each aspect of every practice, of every meeting, everything goes into the quarterback battle. And Fickle as he is wont to do, did uh, did this, some classic coach speak and s- said that it all matters and in, increasingly more so with the quarterback position than with anybody else. So quote, especially at that position, you got to have people who are going to follow you. And like I mentioned, Evan Prater and Ben Bryant both bring great leadership intangibles to the table. And I got to see one firsthand from Evan Prater in, in that scrimmage on Saturday. So that's what the QB battle shaped up to look like on Saturday. No real edge, I would say, for either quarterback and a day where the defense did not make it easy. They were in the backfield plenty of times. There were maybe a third of the completions from both guys could arguably have been sacks if they were allowed to be touched in a live action type of game. So we'll get to that and more in segment number two. But I want to tell you guys about betonline.net before we get there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Shout out to Will Zalatoris for his first win on the PGA Tour at the FedEx St. Jude Open this past weekend. BetOnline continues to be the top online source for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. Speaking of the game, defense wrecked it throughout that scrimmage on Saturday at Nippert Stadium. Jamari Taylor, Ty Van Fossen both spoke to the media after practice, and justifiably so because they were the two recipients of turnovers on the day from the offense, which scored four touchdowns total. By my count, only two of those touchdowns came in full scrimmage-esque type of fashion. It wasn't like a legit type of scrimmage to break it down for the people that weren't in attendance on Saturday. It was more so defined team drills with live tackling and kind of keeping everything in short 4 to 5 minute periods. So say for example, you start for the most part in the in the majority of their scrimmage they were starting from the opposite 30 35, the north 30 to 35 part of the um stadium and then working back towards the opposite end of the student section yeah the opposite of the student section that end zone and they did that for the most part on 10 to 12 drives ish each per quarterback and they worked in brady lichtenberg and luther richardson as well on some of the third string reps and then towards the end of practice they got into two minute drill mode which for the most part happened In the red zone and inside the defense's 30 to 35 yard line. And then the final four drives, they were working on goal line stand type of scenarios. So the fact that the defense gave up one to two, give up just two touchdowns on those longer drive sequences just goes to show to me that this unit and especially the defensive line is still a step above, a step ahead, not necessarily better, but a step ahead developmental-wise and acumen-wise with what they're trying to accomplish at this point in camp, as opposed to what the offensive line is able to do. And overall, I thought the action from the defensive line in terms of getting their hands up, batting passes at the line of scrimmage, that was a big reason why um, Jabari Taylor was able to pick up his first interception and turnover of fall camp in the early portions of the practice. Javon Hicks right near the line of scrimmage, hands up, bats the ball down out of the air, and it ends up falling into the lucky lap of Jabari Taylor, who said uh, he's been, he told the media after practice or after the scrimmage that he's been hunting one of those interceptions all camp. And he thought it was, uh, it was about time he was due for one. And then the soft-spoken and man of few words, Ty Van Fossen let his play do the talking on Saturday. He was all over the field making tackles. He should be part of a I would argue, number one unit on this team for the Bearcats in that linebacker crew, and he picked up a fumble recovery and took it all the way to the house the opposite direction, about 40 to 45 yards for a touchdown. So Ty Van Fossen made a big play and talked about how the team is kind of integrating Ivan Pace well so far. He's donned that number zero uh, jersey, which, of course, left on the table by Darian Beavers heading to – the New York Giants franchise and trying to be the defensive play caller for them right now as they await the return of pro bowl caliber linebacker Blake Martinez. But back to the Bearcats, I've been paced, rocking that number zero, taking the baton from Darian Beavers. He was making plays all afternoon. Deshaun Pace also making plays. I was just really impressed with how in sync the front seven was together. And this to me is kind of the number one fulcrum point outside side of quarterback for this team in terms of getting back to 11 wins 12 wins something like that 10 wins hitting that over under over there in Vegas so courtesy of our friends on bet online the the factor that the linebacking crew is going to play the factor that the defensive line is going to play how much talent, how much returning veteran savvy there is to that room is going to be so massive. And it's been on display throughout camp, and it was fully on display Saturday with those two turnovers forced largely because of the front seven, and then another returning veteran and a guy like Javon Hicks. Uh, Younger player that stood out to me as well defensively was J.Q. Hardaway. We are going to see... A much different cornerback room and quarterback cornerback rotation this year for the Bearcats. Really only had largely three guys out on the field for the majority of snaps last year in Arquan Bush, Kobe Bryant, and Ahmad Sauce Gardner. This year, we could see Sammy Anderson, Todd Bumpus, J.Q. Hardaway. I mean, six, seven guys could be rotating all throughout this cornerback room headed up by the veteran Arquan Bush. And J.Q. Hardaway, I think, is looking like one of those players that will have his name firmly in that rotation, he was strong on coverage throughout the afternoon. Made a couple of nice tackles, and overall, I was very impressed from this defense. Like the Black Cats defense is living up to that nickname. They brought the intensity. They were smacking people in the mouth all afternoon. As I mentioned, it was hard to get a real gauge on the cornerback competi- quarterback battle competition. Because they were under duress and under pressure throughout most of the afternoon. And it's something that Jake Renfro and the rest of that offensive line room is going to have to not necessarily get worked out, but kind of start to match that energy a little bit more, bring their own juice, so to speak. And a guy bringing the juice is Dante Corleone, who multiple media members noted. Uh, is having a great camp afterwards. Talked about it with Jabari Taylor, who said, quote, he's really put a strain on those third-year guys like Dominique Perry, Justin Willey, even on me. You see Dante doing his stuff, and it makes you sit there and think for a second, like, let me double-check on myself while I'm getting on his butt. It's good to see things like that. It's it's good to see another one of those younger up-and-coming developmental talents on this front seven pop. If Dante Corleone is playing like this all season long, he's going to be a major factor. And I've also liked what I've seen from Noah Potter. He was making some plays on Saturday, had a sack or would-be sack if they were allowed to sack the quarterback on uh, on one of the team drills. And he, coming from Ohio State, has dealt, I believe, was dealing with a little bit of an injury, was kind of banged up at the beginning of camp, and now has fully integrated into this team. Defensive unit, and it's just another piece that this defensive line, this front seven in general, with only three to four linebacker positions available, and six to seven starter caliber talents in that room, to go with six to seven maybe starting caliber talents in the defensive line room. You obviously are not going to want to play with just defensive linemen and linebackers because you'll get you'll get run off the field by some speeders, speedsters like Nathaniel Dell over in Houston. But the talent is there. And it just goes to show that the heart and soul, the spine of this team defensively is not only strong on paper, but it's strong in the developmental pipeline, and it's been strong all fall camp. When we come back from these messages on Locked On Bearcats, I'm going to dive into some of the rookie performances from Bearcats across NFL preseason week one. Nearly 10 UC products getting their playing time upped in the NFL. This is Locked On Bearcats, and I'm Russ Heltman. We'll be back after these messages. And we're back on Locked On Bearcats. I'm your fill-in host, Russ Heltman, in for Alex Frank today. And we just got done talking about Saturday's scrimmage, a lot of insightful stuff coming out of that, especially for that defensive front, which looks looks to be another, another great one produced by Luke Fickle and the rest of this staff. Speaking of, you see productions and you see products. We have nine and yeah, 10 Bearcats. Yeah, 10 exactly. Bearcats getting action in on preseason games across the NFL this past weekend. Desmond Ritter kicked things off on Friday. Well, technically, Darian Beavers kicked things off on Thursday wearing the play calling helmet as the middle linebacker for the New York Giants defense he had a nice tackle for loss that I saw in that game and is trying to take full advantage of those extra reps that he's getting as Blake Martinez still works his way back from a torn ACL the starting middle linebacker and defensive play caller for or defensive signal caller I should say for the New York Giants and then Desmond Ritter we got to spend a couple minutes on this Marcus Mariota comes in plays very very well we missed one pass in his debut had one drive afforded to then it was all Desmond Ritter show from then on up and down accuracy wise had a few blatant drops from his receivers especially on a couple key third downs that ended drives but ended up 10 of 22 for 103 yards two touchdowns had 59 yards rushing on I think it was almost 10 carries, something like that. So showed off the ability with both his arm and his legs and had the fourth down miracle throw to Jared Bernhardt on uh, the final offensive play of the game for the Atlanta Falcons, as he slammed the door shut on any thought of a comeback or any thought of a opening win in in the, uh, in the hard knocks era for the Detroit Lions. We will get to see that, that capper on the Tuesday episode of the HBO show, but Desmond Ritter, looking at kind of the few throws I was able to see, popped in and out. There was a lot of different Bearcats playing on uh, on Friday, including Myzay Sanders back in town here with the Arizona Cardinals to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. Desmond Ritter's a gamer. And obviously it's up and down, 10 of 22. It's not, I don't think, going to cement him in a true quarterback race now for the top position with the Atlanta Falcons. But the fact that he was still able to, to go through those ups and downs, work through that game, ended leading the team to victory in the final offensive play of the day for Atlanta. He's a gamer. He's a winner. He's a guy that's just going to get things done on a football field. And to me, this should give Arthur Smith and that Atlanta Falcons coaching staff a little bit of relief, allow them to sigh a little bit and think hey, if Marcus Mariota reverts back to what he's looked like when he gets knocked around throughout his time in the NFL, then we can. Maybe we will salvage this season if possible and see what we have for the future in Desmond Ritter. We feel confident enough that he can go out onto a football field and still be able to hold his own. Obviously, still two more games left for all of these rookies to show off their skills in. But Desmond Ritter, great, great debut. Not necessarily a 100% perfect debut. You'd love to see that completion percentage be over 50, 60%, obviously, but a solid debut nonetheless as he led the Falcons to a 27-23 victory. And then we also had Jerome Ford this weekend being the best player offensively on the field for the Browns in their 24-13 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars, 10 carries for 57 yards and a touchdown, had four catches for 45 yards and another score, had a really nice acrobatic athletic catch on the touchdown reception, led the team in rushing and receiving yards. Jerome Ford, especially, and I noted this in my article at allbearcats.com, of course, Russ Huffman filling in. Um Filling in for Alex tonight's today's Locked On Bearcats. Jerome Ford could see meaningful playing time this year, pending the result of one current frustrated Browns running back, Kareem Hunt, and his trade request. So it's kind of 50-50 in the NFL whether or not a trade request is actually going to lead to a trade for the disgruntled player. But Jerome Ford, fourth on the running back depth chart right now between behind Nick Chubb, uh, Dearness Johnson, and Kareem Hunt. If Kareem Hunt is shipped out, then Jerome Ford, I think, will be seeing some spot opportunities and will definitely, in my eyes, at least be a contributing member of this football team, whether that's on some of those spot carries or in the special teams situations as going down there as a gunner or going down there as a kickoff coverage specialist. Some other quick notes on NFL UC rookies for preseason week one. We have Toby Bryant, who was uh, put in a little bit of a viral clip on George Pickens' attic deep touchdown catch, and I'm, I'm not going to throw any shade at Kobe Bryant for being in that clip because he had great coverage on Pickens. The guy just keeps showing why it might have been a little too low to have the Steelers get the opportunity to draft him in the second round. Speaking on Pickens, of course, and then Kobe Bryant did make a nice play in coverage in the middle of the field on a tackle later on in the game in the second quarter. So like to see that out of Kobe. He's Been getting rave reviews all throughout camp. Curtis Brooks, another guy that only had one kind of pop up on the stat sheet, and that was a nice third down stop of Case Keenum in the second quarter of the Colts game against the Buffalo Bills. And then Alec Pierce, a pair of catches, two catches for twenty seven yards, had uh, his first ever touch on an NFL or touch of a football on an in an in an NFL game. Then Brian Cook had a nasty, nasty hit in the Chiefs game against the Bears on special teams. So it's good to see him log a tackle there. Last but not least, we're talking about Joel DeBlanco. Recently signed to the Seattle Seahawks training camp roster, led the team in their 32 25 loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers in tackles, had eight total tackles, four solo tackles, second on the team in solo stops. So Joel DeBlanco, maybe. Just maybe with an outside chance to make the Seattle Seahawks roster, we don't quite know if he's going to be able to get there. But it'll be interesting to say the least. So many rookies all around the NFL for the Bearcats. I, I'm just, I'm like a, I'm like a, like a rubber neck ch- neck chicken, just going all around like this. I can't keep all of it. It's so great to see the impact. Of the 2017 class, the 2018 class, the 2019 class all started to blossom into their NFL careers and showing around the country and to recruits around the country that Luke Fickle can take you from a three-star prospect and make you the number four overall pick in the draft. Sauce Gardner, who we didn't even talk about here because he didn't really get a lot of meaningful snaps and do a lot of meaningful stuff in their preseason opener because Sauce Gardner is going to be a day one starter. He's one of the favorites to win defensive rookie of the year, and he is the biggest success story to come out of this Bearcats program, one that will, I'm sure, keep producing many, many solid success stories over the ensuing years under Luke Fickle. It's been a lot of fun on this Locked On Bearcats. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single day. You can find the Bearcats Locked On Bearcats Twitter page, that is, at locked on catch and you can find me on Twitter at Russ Eleven. Alex Frank will be back with y'all again tomorrow and I am excited to make appearances on this show throughout the season and maybe every now and then when, when Alex is feeling a little under the weather if he's got some other stuff tied up. I'll be back here solo to fill in for Mr. Frank. It's Locked On Bearcats. This has been Russ Heltman on the mic. We'll talk to y'all tomorrow.